it, yeah, if you don't know me, my name is Ryan and I'm the senior minister here at Life Church. And yeah, welcome you all here today. Welcome to those watching online. And today we're just going to talk about a few things. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were going through Isaiah 61. Those of you who've been following along with that, you will remember that I felt that the Lord had given this to me as a word for Life Church for 2022. And we spent a fair bit of time going back a few weeks ago on that. So let's, very good. Yeah, we, we're kind of doing it verse by verse and breaking it down, what it meant. And we put a pause on that because we had Easter and so we had, you know, the week before Easter and then Easter itself. Then, you know, we talked about what Jesus did after the resurrection. Then we had Pastor Mick Geeling come and then we had Mother's Day and Christian spoke as well. So we are now kind of coming back to what, what I felt the Lord very clearly wanted to speak to Life Church for 2022. And the question we're asking today is, what does Isaiah 61 mean for Life Church? What does it mean for us? Like, it's great, we, we've, we've seen the scriptures, we, we know what it's saying, but what, what does it look like for us and how does it impact on us as a church? So let, let's just go through this a little bit again as a bit of a recap. As I love what Christian said when he spoke on this. We, we could speak on this, you know, passage for the rest of the year and continue to draw new things from it. We're not going to do that, but just, just so you know, we could, we could constantly be drawing more stuff from the Lord as we continue to read. So verse 1 and a little bit of verse 2 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. So in Luke 4, Jesus read this passage out. And he actually claimed that all of this was about him. When he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So as you can see, every single one of these scriptures is about him. He's, he's claimed that it's, that it's him. So as you read this, you could say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on Jesus because the Lord has anointed Jesus to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. And so it, it's Jesus inserted in that all the way through. And as you can see down the bottom, Jesus didn't read that last line. And so we'll, we'll just leave that with God, I think, that, that bit. But the, the other thing that I did mention last time we talked about it is that it's also about us. We have Christ in us. And so therefore, you know, as the authority that Jesus had and he's passed on to us, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us. So we can actually read through this entire passage as if it's, you know, for us as well. Yes, it is through Jesus, but it's Christ in us outworking. So if you're concerned about your identity in Christ, know this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. Because the Lord has appoint, anointed us to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent us to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So 
this is, this is our mission as well. This is actually really exciting. A few weeks ago, we talked about Peter and how when Peter was telling the Lord how much he loved him, it wasn't the amount that Jesus was asking. He couldn't offer that much love to him. But if you, if you are like that and you feel that you're in a place where you can't offer Jesus what he's offering you, know this, you are still called. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is still upon you. It hasn't altered that. You are still anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. He still sends you to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. So, you know, you might not be feeling up to it on a particular day, but it's still your calling. And so, as much as all of these lines here in this little passage are for Jesus, they are also for you. And I think that's pretty great. But there is another side to it. And this is a little bit of a challenge. It's a little bit of a, a redirection here. We had to, we had to pro- proclaim good news to the poor. And in this particular you know, instance, the good news is the gospel. Gospel actually translates as good news. So I've got this quote here that says, when the gospel has become bad news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted and imprisoned, and good news to the proud, the self-righteous and privileged instead, well, then it is no longer the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that hits pretty hard, I know. And it raises some questions. Well, how can the gospel possibly be bad news? Well, I guess if it's received as bad news by the poor, the oppressed, the brokenhearted, that list of, you know, categories straight off the pages of Isaiah 61. So you could possibly start by asking the poor, how have you received the gospel? Was it received as good news? Ask the brokenhearted, how have you received the gospel? Because if they didn't receive it as good news, then it's not, it's not the gospel of Jesus. So I guess the answer sort of sits with us as a challenge. If in your Christianity or in the way you promote your Christianity, your faith, your beliefs, if the least of these are receiving that as bad news, then I think we need to have a closer look at it because it's supposed to be good news. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I got heavy pretty quickly too. But um, yeah, the gospel is about good news to those groups of people. Let's look at the second section, shall we? The second part, which is the rest of verse 2 and a bit of verse 3. It says, To comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now again, these lines are all about Jesus. Jesus comforting those who mourn. Jesus providing for those who grieve. Jesus placing a crown of beauty in the place of ashes. If you go back to the Old Testament, ashes were actually placed on the head as a sign of mourning. So the crown replaced it in that exact same spot. It's 
So it's like Jesus healing you in that exact position. So the more I've looked into this, it's not just ashes over there and you can have a crown. It's, it's the crown that you wear on your head replacing the ashes that you put on your head. So it's Jesus giving people the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. But similar to the previous section that we just looked at, it is also a call for us to do the work of Jesus as well. So this is us. We've been given a mission that, is, that we are to also comfort those who mourn. We are to provide for those who grieve. We are to bestow on people beauty in the place of ashes. Beautiful things where they've been mourning. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. However, I believe it's important that we also know that we also receive these things from the Lord. It's not like the Lord is just giving it to the poor and asking us to give it to the poor and, and, and we don't get anything. Actually, no. We receive, as you can see, it cut off on the side a little bit, but we will receive comfort from the Lord when we are in mourning. We will receive that crown of beauty. So this, this is for us. We receive it. We will receive the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus provides the beauty. We receive it. We give it. Jesus provides. We receive. We give. He provides. We receive. We give. It's like a constant flow. Jesus is providing. We give it out. We receive it. We give it out. We can't give it out if we're not receiving it. So it's like it's a constant flow. It's like... You know, we can't help other people if, if we're in a bad place. It's, it's kind of like a normal thing to think about. We receive, we give. Jesus is the provider. Now, I believe people will encounter this in this place. I believe that people will encounter this receiving of these gifts from Jesus in this church. The life church that I see will be a place where people can walk in and receive all the Lord has for them. It'll be a place where the presence of God rests here so strongly and moves here so strongly that people will encounter him and receive the healing that they need. This is, this is what I believe is for life church. This heavenly transaction just taking place. The Lord providing, the Lord bestowing these things upon us. Us saying, thank you, Lord, and then us giving them. For those who don't know, before COVID, we were running an annual conference here called Together. That was awesome. Six years ago, one of our guest speakers, Amberly Klinkenberg, gave a prophetic word over Life Church. And I'm going to read some of it out to you right now. I won't read the whole thing. But she referred to a worship set that we'd had. I think it was our opening night. We were doing the song Spirit Breakout, and there was a dance to it that my sister had organized. And Amberly said she saw angels ushering in the presence of God during that song in this room. And she said, there was a really powerful presence in worship in general. 
I felt like the ushering of the presence with these angels gave me such an incredible feeling of the presence of God in this house. This place is going to be a place where there's going to be incredible signs and wonders. There's going to be amazing healing, incredible healing in this house. She was here saying this. I think she was sitting down maybe about here. And she was saying this about Life Church. She was prophesying over this church. She continued, and we're cut off on the sides there a little bit, so I'll fill in the blanks. She said, I also felt that this was going to be a place of incredible heart surgery for people. With the presence of God that's in this place, it's actually going to just flow out into the community naturally. So as, you know, as I was talking about God providing, we, us receiving and us giving, well, that, that's how it's going to flow out into the community naturally. She said, I also saw nature signs and wonders where you call on rain and it comes and crops grow. I see this place as a really prosperous place. And I see you guys, that's us, that's all of us, being able to actually call out these incredible nature miracles. And she referred to farms and orchards in the area. She didn't know we had orchards. She actually said, do you guys have any orchards around here? <laughs> she was from New Zealand. And so, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we do actually, just a few, you know. And she said they would be prosperous because of what was carried in this place. So our community would prosper because of what was happening here. And she said the reason that would happen is because we were a hungry people. We were hungry for the things of the Lord. She said, and you're, you're open. You're open to God doing things. It's happening because you're hungry and because you're open and also because you are willing. That was what she said. And she continued. She said, I can see like an operating table with a heart on it being operated on. And it's going to be, as a result of that, people are going to be coming here. She said, I see it like a counseling house. But it's not going to be something that's like counseling for years and years and years. It's going to be like moments of counsel into people's hearts. And it's going to set them free. Beauty from ashes. Joy for mourning. Praise for heaviness. It's God that does this. Jesus provides, we receive, we give. But here is going to be the place of that heavenly transaction. I'm not saying it can't happen anywhere else. Of course it can. But here it collectively is going to happen where we receive and then we go out and we give. People are going to be healed and empowered in this place and then go out and impact the community. Thanks, John. And as we go out, I put that one in there twice, maybe. As we go out, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who's that section about? It's all about us. Jesus is not they. 
this is about us. It speaks of our identity as well as our mission. Through Jesus, we will be called oaks of righteousness. That's us people. Planted by the Lord for the display of his splendor. Our mission, as we spoke of a few weeks ago, is to rebuild and restore and renew the world around us. I'm not just going to let it all fall in a heap. That's our mission. As we come here and receive from the Lord, we go out and we're doing these things. Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to look at how we're going to put these things into practice. So this is the what. This is what does it all mean? So in the coming weeks, we're looking at the how. But to finish today, I just want to share with you how, how I see Life Church as we step into this season. This is, this is what I, I see strongly about Life Church stepping in. I see Life Church as a place where you can feel that you belong. It's a place of belonging. If you're watching online or if, if you're new here today, whoever you may be, this community welcomes you. And as you become a part of the life community, whether it's through our services or our life groups in person, online, or through the op shop, as you knit yourself into that community, I believe your beliefs in Jesus will strengthen. As you are surrounded by a community of people who love the Lord, that will impact on your what you believe, what you believe about Him. And as what you believe about Him, as those beliefs mature, and as you trust Him more, you will see yourself how He sees you. And as these beliefs strengthen you, that is when you will become more like Jesus. You will become love. You'll become all that God intends for you to become. As I read the Gospels, it's the way I see Jesus interacting with people. He includes them. You are welcome here. Which in turn affects their, what they believe, which in turn affects what they become. I think that's the order, and I think it is always the order. It doesn't work backwards. It just doesn't. I also believe that Life Church will be a vibrant and alive church worshipping freely from its revelation of a granted identity in Jesus and of knowing the Father. This is the church that I see. That we would be a people secure in our identity in Christ and in their relationship with Him. I believe Life Church will be a community of believers who have a greater revelation of worship. There would be a group of people who just desire God's presence, but more than that, know how to 
host God's presence, knowing that we are one in him. You know, his presence never leaves you. We just become more aware of it. And you host his presence all the time. But again, you just occasionally become more aware of that. So we'll be a people equipped to host the presence in their daily lives. I believe that extended times of prayer and worship will be the norm as we'll be a community who just longs to be in his presence. We just long to be with him. I believe we'll be a congregation of passionate and empowered people flourishing in their gifts and areas of expertise. We'll be a people aware of their God-given potential and purpose. We'll be secure in our identity. I believe this church will be an active participant in the unity between the churches in our region. Which is something, I've not seen it like this. It's incredible that we can have in one prayer meeting over 10 churches, multiple denominations gathered together with one purpose, one focus. And we've seen it, it's been happening regularly in this area. And I'm excited that Life Church is part of that. Like, really. <laughs> it might not sound like it, but I'm really excited about that. We'll be a people, yeah, unity between church and our region, partnering together with no limitations, united in our love for the Father. We'll be a people involved with this kind of thing. Michelle and I have talked for years, and we've shared it with some friends about the establishment of a, a local prayer and worship house where it's just happening 24-7. Now, I don't know how that kind of thing can even start, right? But these are things that we see. And, you know, I've shared that with a few people. And, you know, I, I think there's things sort of bubbling around the place where this could be a reality, where there would be a place, a local place, where there's just constant prayer and worship happening praying for the city, praying for the region. Michelle and I have seen this for years and we've, we've shared it with people for years, but like we're believing that it's going to happen. That's nice. A smattering of claps. That's all for the Lord. We believe Life Church will be a house of prayer. It'll be known for being one church with two cultures. It'll be known for it. People will talk about it. Have you heard about Life Church? Yeah, they've got two cultures happening. It'll be known for its unity. It's unity between our 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. services. It's unity within those services, but it's unity with the other churches as well, as I talked about. It'll be known for doing family well. And this is a family that in- includes our op shop community. We had a great Mother's Day service a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the idea of family extending beyond biology. And we believe that Life Church will be known for that, doing family well. Life Church will be known for its excellence. 
known for its freedom, that it will be a place of healing, and that it will be a city on a hill. It's very nice. So those last two, actually those last three, have all been prophesied by visiting ministers to this church. and priorities. Hosting the